Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Rocky Unscripted. So glad you're joining us again. Today we're going to be talking about small groups and community with special guests Mitch Comstat and Susan Broerman. These two work on our staff and they have done an amazing job developing four stages of a pathway to help people get involved in community. And there's some of you right now that might be thinking, hey, you guys are talking about small groups. Check please. Not interested. I've either had bad experiences or the whole idea just scares me. We're going to talk about that in detail with some specifics, some some first-hand experiences that we've had, but we really feel like it is worth it. Not only is it worth it, but we need it. But before we dive into the conversation, we need your help. If you're someone who has benefited from this podcast, either it's entertaining or engaging, you enjoy listening to it, it's been helpful for you, please share it, send it. Uh, copy the link and send it to someone close to you. We would love for them to benefit from it as well. And you might be the best way to share this and expand our reach for this podcast. We would be really appreciative and we'd love you for it forever. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Mitch, Susan, and Sean. Well, guys, it's good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah. First time for Mitch and Susan to, to join us. And uh, we've asked them to join us because they have they are experts in small group ministry. Is that accurate? That's what some people say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're learning to be experts. There you oh, go. Yeah. There you guys you go. are experts for sure. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. And Sean, you haven't been on the podcast in about seven years, it, it feels like. I've been on vacation. That's right. Seven years. Wow, so. dude. It's a long sabbatical. Three weeks, three, two and a half weeks. You're going to pull me aside. You're practically British. <laughs> That's awesome. So where, where have you guys been? Dude, we did the staycation, man. Okay. We did. I had some work I had to do on the, on the house, so I re, rebuilt part of my deck. And and so that part wasn't, ex- it was actually kind of fun because I got my father-in-law and my dad came over and helped me out and my boys helped me out. So it was a good kind of family thing. Uh-huh. But dude, we've taken up, we bought paddle boards oh. like a year and a half ago. And we have had a blast. It has been so much fun. So, how many do you have? We just bought the cheap, like Costco uh, blow up ones. So we have four of them. And then my boys, I bought this like twenty dollar uh, blow up kayak from like nineteen eighty seven. You know, you blow it up, and they get halfway out in the lake, and it's like deflating. <laughs> Swim. So we go to Carter Lake, and we're hanging out, and having fun, and they're exhausted. And I'm like, it's no big deal, guys. Come on, jump on the paddleboard. I'll take the kayak back. I almost died. Um, taking this kayak back across the lake and stuff. So we we just have fun. It's been good, and good time, and uh, lots of fun guy movies with the dudes and uh, fun things with the girls. It's been great. That's so, awesome. Well, good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. And this last Sunday, you taught for the first time in a few weeks, and you were you were kind of fired up. Yeah, man. I I was laughing with you. I was fired up. Um, Matt preached the first value, and yeah. you were talking about how you saw my notes, and and I'm supposed <laughs> to be preaching about community and. Two thirds of the way through, I'm still preaching about pursuing Jesus. Yeah. I read and his it, notes on Saturday, and I'm like, "Oh no, he's teaching the wrong sermon." <laughs> I should call him. <laughs> hey, bro, rewrite, man. You need to come up with another sermon before tomorrow morning. <laughs> but then we rolled into the community thing at the end because that's the whole deal. Is just yeah. uh, and the secret sauce is community. Yeah, we pursue Jesus together. Totally linked. And I mean this in a good way, but you leaned in hard, like you were really yeah. calling people. Hey, this is something we need to do. Well, it's probably too because. Um, over the last few years, I've realized how much I've neglected the deeper side of that value. Yeah. And so it's just been so life-giving. And I think, I'll be honest, just to brag on you guys, uh, Mitch and Susan and their team, I've not, I was a small group leader in the past, small group pastor. I have not been around, seen, um, 
any group that does what you guys do. Uh, wow. Just the yeah. ability, mm. the ability to connect people, but also the resources, the pursuit journal that we put out. You guys yeah. put that together. Um, the steps that we have and the pathway, what you guys have done with that. Man, I get goosebumps just thinking about mm. what it does for people. Mm-hmm. It's great. So I was like fully believing what I was teaching from the gospel, but also fully believing, hey, we got a team that's going to take care of you. You so. didn't have to manufacture. You didn't have to lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Get in a group. Uh, I hope we can fix that. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. it's like get in a group. It's one of the best things we do. Well, let's so. hear from you guys. Uh, Mitch Comstat, you've been at the church for a long time in various roles. Yep. Uh, done an awesome job, and, and now you find yourself uh, as our group's pastor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what's your life look like these days? Sure. Yeah. Um, actually, I grew up going to Rocky Mountain Christian Church uh, from sixth grade to 12th grade. Um, graduated in 2000 and went away for six years, then came back and then have been on staff since 2006, so about 15 years now. Been married to my wife, Becky, for about 19 years, and we have three girls, uh, Jocelyn, who's 14, Charlotte, who's seven, and Clara, who's five. So um, love, love, love this place. It's been instrumental in my life, and um, I'm super glad to to be working with Sean and Susan and, and you and, and the whole team. Mitch, one of my favorite stories about you is uh, we, were, we, we were all having, like, kids and stuff, and life was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, had, I was talking with you one time, and I think, I don't know if we had our third or fourth kid, and I was like, Mitch, um, when are you going to have a third kid? And you looked at me funny, and you said, I do have a third kid. <laughs> 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 and I lost track. There's so many kids running around. I lost track. Uh, well, a lot of one people of our, think you have four. Yeah, I was gonna say some staff members think I have four kids. They're like, "And your other one is?" And I'm like, "Nope, it's still only three. A lot of pressure. We're done. Yeah. Well, Susan, thanks for joining. Susan Broerman that works closely with Mitch, um, pouring into our groups, helping people get connected. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, my life these days is an empty nest as of three days ago. I just got back from dropping off the baby um, at a private school in California, Christian school, and feel good about that one. But my son is in Seattle, and my daughter's at CU Boulder, and Andy and I are like, what happened? Where did that time go? Mm -hmm. Is it very quiet? It is quiet. My dog is a little stressed. (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Your dog's like, you need to have more kids. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) Well, cool. Let's talk about groups. I think a lot of people that um, know that we're going to be talking about community in, in small groups have a general idea of what we might be talking about. Um, and, and hopefully through our conversation, we can maybe take it in some different directions than maybe what people are expecting. Our goal is not to pressure people, shame people into getting in to small groups. Um, and Sean, I thought you did a really good job handling that on Sunday. It's just pouring into it and uh, really just trying to cast vision and inspire us to, we need to do this. And I think there are people listening right now that have been contemplating that. Uh, so I, one question I wanted to start with, and anyone can answer this, but but maybe we should start with you, Sean. Uh, but why are small groups necessary in the first place? Like why why aren't Sundays good enough? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mentioned Sunday, just the whole weekend warrior mentality. Um, and even gave him the illustration about, I did it in one service, didn't do it in the other. But uh, the illustration of just, um, you know, I enjoy the game of basketball. I talk about that a lot huh. of time. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> didn't know that. What? But the whole idea of for the first 20 years I played, I improved because I've trained, practiced. And in the last 25 years, 
I've gotten exponentially worse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's because I have I'm I've been a, a weekend warrior. I play a couple times a week. And it's it's the same thing that that whole deal of why is Sunday morning not enough? Because I don't think you see anywhere in Jesus' story where any leader or any follower of Christ was a weekend warrior. It was life. That's it good. was they did life together. And then you just take the whole idea of Jesus model of ministry. It was a group style, relational style ministry. Mm-hmm. He didn't show up at ten forty five on Sunday morning, preach a sermon, and then take off. Um, it was he did life with those people, and mm-hmm. that's the story of every leader that came after him too. So why shouldn't it be our story? So, mm-hmm. what would you guys add to that? Yeah, I mean, I I love Sunday mornings, and I think you know we often say uh, we talk about rows and circles. Here. Break that down. What what does that mean? Yeah. Rows and circles. Yeah. So. Rose is the rose we sit in on Sunday mornings. We come, we worship together. Um, we're giving God glory together. Um, but we're all facing the stage, and Sundays can sometimes be more of a monologue, and we're, we're you know, processing that internally. Um, but the groups give us a place and an environment to actually unpack what God is doing in our hearts. Um, and I think when we're able to unpack that and to study together, that is what actually provides that transformation. Mm-hmm. It's that social accountability of being with other people and having a safe environment to unpack what God is doing in our life. Um, that's what leads to that transformation. But it's not an easy step. So mm-hmm. that the circle is the group. So we have rows and circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were joking that uh, at the end of the service, Sean, you were going to say, all right, all right, everyone circle up. You are now in groups together. <laughs> <laughs> Just four small group. I think the idea is really, really scary. Like you're saying, it's mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. Uh, Susan, anything you'd add to that? Why, why are Sundays not enough? Yeah, I think, I mean, the churches, the churches, um, I mean, we want to be equipping and building up believers so that we can be the church in the world. And on Sunday mornings, you can't practice some of those um those disciplines, the one another's of loving one another, um, keeping peace with one another, thinking others are better than yourself. Um, you can't practice that kind of thing if you're just facing the stage. It's when you are with other people and having to work through, oh, I don't know if I disagree with what he's saying, but mm-hmm. I'm going to love him anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's not only getting to practice the one another's, but it's being one anothered. Other people mm-hmm. get the opportunity yeah. to do that for you. So it's kind of this giving and receiving um, in the context of a group. And you, you get to practice it, and then you also get to receive it because it's hard to have that get that care that you possibly need or that people praying for you and people helping you out when you need it and walking alongside you um, unless you do that off of a Sunday morning. And mm-hmm. you journey, you know, our value, journeying outside of the auditorium with other believers. Absolutely. I love that uh, monologue versus dialogue mm-hmm. idea and, and working that out, not just in conversation, but in loving and living and, and together. That's great. Mm-hmm. So then you see that picture of Sundays are important. Small groups are too. Anytime we're neglecting one or the other, it's going to be out of balance. And the other church did that. And it even says they met together on the first day that we even talks about in the temple, Solomon's colonnade. You know, they would meet and gather as the large group. They met in homes um, day to day for dinners and meals and gatherings. And man, it's, it worked then. Mm-hmm. They and, were devoted uh, to one another yeah. to that meeting space. You, you yeah. have such different conversations when you're yeah. meeting in, in that kind of a setting. Oh, yeah. When there's six, eight people around you, you're just going to, the conversations are going to go in different directions than you would ever have in a lobby at a church. 
or sitting in the rows even after the service, you know, mm-hmm. or serving on a team. Conversation just shifts to, to, to be different. And another thing you might hear, we, we say often too, is our church is too big for you not to be in a small group because it is easy to come in and to slip in and to, to do the worship service thing and then to slip to slip out. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's important to be known. Yeah. If you want to mm-hmm. be known, you need to be in a group. And it's scary to be known. It's scary to be known. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Let's, let's be honest. I would imagine... So I'd like us to, to maybe go through a list of reasons why people might say, I am not interested in <laughs> joining a small group. And I would imagine that most of the things that we might say, we've mm-hmm. probably experienced firsthand or someone in our group or something like that. Uh, but what are some of the reasons why people are, are going to avoid getting into a small group? Uh, I think insecurity, for sure. Um, will I like those people? Will they like me? Will they be like me? And, and you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you feel like, oh, they're messy and I have no margin for messy. And mm-hmm. um, will I be enough? Will yep. God be enough with me in that situation? Yeah, just mm-hmm. insecurity. I, I remember a, a small group leader um, at one of our launches came in and they saw their group for the first time. And they're like, I have no idea how we're going to get along as a group because they, everybody looks so different. And I Mm. think that's oftentimes our experience when we walk into a new small group experience, we're like, I don't know if I'm going to actually get along with these people. Um, am I like them or am not? How, how is this all going to work out? I think there's one, one thing that you guys are doing too. And we have so many groups that have been together over the long haul, you know, they started Mm -hmm. and they really clicked in. But one thing that is nice, um, is just the reminder too, that in the pathway and we have those four studies that we do, they're 10 weeks apiece. So it is worth the investment of time to jump in for 10 weeks. Yeah. But you also know it's 10 weeks. And you may find <laughs> that you go in for 10 weeks, and you're like, this is phenomenal. Yeah. I want to stay with this group of people. You might find that it was like, this was really good. I don't know if this is my forever group, but it is really good. And I've got an opportunity now to jump into another 10-week study, maybe another group and find it, but it's worth jumping through to find it. And so I think there's, there's something in there for some people who have that fear. Mm-hmm. It's that maybe will I like, not just the insecurity of me, but mm-hmm. maybe the, the insecurity of the people will I, there's, there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Um, it's not forever. So I, I think another thing that people sh- um, can struggle with is they've had a bad experience in a small group in the past and that sours wanting to join a small group in the future. Yeah, totally. Um, and it yeah. D- I don't think it takes many bad experiences to feel that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I had 16 bad experiences, so I, I don't want to try 17. It doesn't take many. It doesn't take too many for it to feel like it's too many. Right. And if whether it was I felt judged, um, I didn't feel cared for, um, you know, what I don't know, whatever the other excuses yeah. are. But So what do you tell someone who's saying, I've just had too many. Oh, man. Had too many. I, well, I'll just be blunt about it, yeah. too. If you've had too many, if you've tried it a bunch of times and you had too many, you might ask yourself who's the, the least common denominator. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there is some truth to that. Yeah, um, it could be your expectations. It could be, uh, yeah, were you maybe not the greatest group member? Yeah, because I've, I've been in a lot of groups, and I can look back, and there's one group that wasn't a bad experience, but it wasn't the forever group thing, and it wasn't the greatest but uh, but I don't look back and, and say that I see a lot of people that have multiple, multiple 
difficult experiences. I yeah. think if you go in, you're ready to love people like Jesus and, and, and want to sacrifice and invest that time, you're going to find something positive out of every group that you go into. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we ought to have our attitude ought to be. I'm going to look for the best and find the best out of this, this group. Now, we have many stories at this place of people who may not still be, you know, they raise their kids with that group. Uh, they may not still be in that group because they started that group 15 years yeah. ago, but they're still lifelong great friends. I mean, I, I would say we have a, a, um, an exponential amount of those stories mm-hmm. compared to people that would say, ah, I just haven't, I've had too many bad experiences. You know, you say that and um, that it reminds me. So my wife, Amanda, and I uh, were, we led a group for a, about five years straight and people would kind of come and go from that group the way we were structured. And uh, I think we had the wrong idea of what their group was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, we were exhausted. And to be honest, for years, we didn't really want to be in a group like that before. But you're saying, what's the common denominator? And I think I would have argued, no, I was a good group member, but this is what I had. I had it wrong. I felt like the health of that group was our responsibility as the leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think we started taking on every trouble that, that everyone had, every marriage that was maybe going through a difficult season, it was like all on our shoulders. And I don't think that that was the right expectation for us to have on ourselves. So to your point, Sean, maybe it wasn't like we were, uh, you know, bad group members, but I think we were approaching the group wrong from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Because when marriages, and, and to, be, to, to be honest, some of the marriages did fail, in the middle of those groups, and we're taking that on too, walking through that. And it's just, it's a huge burden. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say to someone who maybe has had that experience where it's like, man, it was just, it was heavy. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, I would say give it <laughs> this. One of, one of the things I used to say when I was in student ministry and a parent would come to me and be like, our kid doesn't want to come back to student ministry anymore. I would say, I would say, Hey, come for, have them come for four weeks. Just give me four weeks. And then if, if Mm. that doesn't work, then, you know, maybe we'll try something different. But I would say, Hey, if, if it's, if you're hesitating on jumping into a group, Hey, give it 10 weeks, jump in one time, see what it's like. Um, And we, and also reach out to us. We'd love Mm -hmm. to talk, talk through with you any any baggage any past hurt whatever it is we we want to make sure that we are helping you get connected if that is something you want to do yeah mm-hmm. yeah attitude is so important if you if you decide to be faithful and to show up i mean studies show that the more you're with certain people the more you like them which interesting. is interesting yeah so uh susan you and your husband andy i i've seen be a part of so many different groups whether it's just casual neighborhood like hey we're just inviting a bunch of people people to our house or official small groups in in you know organized church settings and there are a lot of different people that i've seen in your groups people that are like you and people that are not like you at all mm-hmm. how do you find that balance um i definitely have chosen to have some friendships um that are in groups with me that i can go deeper with and then i have some that i just i really want to you know meet them where they are and just um, share some of what I've learned about Jesus and it's exciting and, and hear what their, what their stories are, what their perspectives are. Um, I think it makes me a better 
leader. I think it makes them feel like they have a place at Rocky and in the church. And That's awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. I'm putting you on the spot. But can you guys, you've been in various small group community. Are there any highlights that you think back and think this was a pivotal experience that I had in this small group? Mm. Because we've, we've already kind of talked a little bit about this is how it's, this is why it's difficult. This is why people might avoid it. But you guys, I know, have experienced things to make you passionate about it. It's worked for you. It's been beneficial for you. So are there any moments, uh, either a long time ago or, or recently, that you said, this is why I do it. This is why we need to do it as a church. You know, when I, uh, I'm, so I'm going way back now. Okay. Um, first. Okay. Circa so, what? what? What year we? So we, we're talking like 1998. Oh man, I wish I had a soundtrack I could play right now from 1998. Yeah, dude. Play some ska or some punk rock music and <laughs> I'll be there. Um, so when I was in high school. And Mitch, didn't you have like purple hair? And I did. Yeah, I was going to say that earlier. Mm-hmm. Early yeah. in your yeah. uh, your church experience, you looked quite a bit different than you do now. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I had multiple piercings yeah. and <laughs> chains and green hair, blue hair, whatever. Um, yeah, I love mosh pits. What can I say? Still to this day? <laughs> no. <laughs> Every day with kids is a mosh pit. <laughs> there you <laughs> so. go. There you go. 1998. So anyway, yeah. 1998. Um, I was in a, a small group with actually somebody who... Um, with the leader, he's actually still attends Rocky today. And, um, he had a group of us guys and he just invested us in, in us and invited us to his house. And, um, we studied the Bible together, but almost more importantly, I mean, he just, he laughed with me. He cried with me. He prayed with me. Um, he was there for me in a lot of difficult situations. And I remember, uh, back, you know, the, my family um, has been blessed huge through Rocky and um, and hearing about various small groups from Rocky who actually took us in, Mm -hmm. um, who actually brought us food and just, you know, really loved us and invested in us for the long haul. And so I've seen groups really, really work. And I think that's where I'm like, wow, um, I want to be a part of that and giving that back to other people um, and helping other people experience what I was able to experience in those moments. Mm. We had a ministry at our church in Indiana um, several years ago that kind of gave a free dinner to some people and then they would have a worship service. And out of that, um, these women wanted to have a group and they, they, uh, they didn't have someone to facilitate to kind of bridge the gap for them. Um, they didn't have cars, the whole thing. And I remember with this friend of mine, we're like, okay, well, I guess we can lead this group. And I'd drive over to like the government assistant housing and pick up all these people who had never met each other. And I had never met them and put them in my car and put their walker in the back seat. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? One thing just more because I'm like, I, I have, never had, um, I don't know, a, a group like this where no one knows each other and that we're all different economic love, like education, everything. They came and they were such a blessing to me and the community they formed with each other. Um, you know, they were isolated and lonely and then found community with each other. And I, that group is still going strong. I've been gone for seven years and, um, they just love each other. It's it's a beautiful thing that they found that. 
Uh, I remember being in a group, and, and Sean, I want to hear what you had to say, yeah. too. Don't mean to cut you off. But we were in a group one time, and uh, we were in a season. So Amanda and I, uh, we were trying to get pregnant. And you know, it was one of those situations where it was like every friend I felt like that we knew that was trying to, to get pregnant was just getting pregnant left and right. You know, every everybody, like easy. And it was taking us a long time. And, you know, anyone that's gone through anything like this, uh, you start to wonder, okay, is there something wrong, you know, biologically? Is like, do we need to see a doctor? All that kind of stuff. And I remember we were in this group and just kind of going around, hey, what can we be praying about? And uh, it was just getting more and more, um, I guess, vulnerable. People were just saying like, hey, this is something I'm, I'm kind of carrying. And uh, it came around to Amanda and I, and we both just started crying. And because it was just something that, like, we we're like, what if we never, you know, have a baby? And it was just felt really heavy in that moment. So everyone circled around us and they started praying. And I remember um, as we we're praying, like I felt something on my arm and it was a teardrop from someone next to me that as they were praying for, and it was just this really intense moment of like, we are, we're in this together. These people care so much that they're weeping uh, on our behalf. And there's moments when you just need people to, I guess, understand. Truly bear bear your burden. Yeah. 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 They couldn't fix it, but they could at least go through it with us. That was, they felt it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a, a powerful moment, and that was one of those moments of like, man, this is worth it. It's worth all those meetings that you gather together, and you're like, what are we doing? You know, you just keep pushing, you keep pushing through, you get to know each other better. So that was that was powerful for us. Dude, that's a good story. That's good. I had something happen Sunday that was was cool, and it wasn't about a group that I'm in now. I love my men's group, man. I they're fantastic. Um, but I was standing in the lobby. I'm talking to this family. And this, uh, like, 10-year-old kid runs by. And I watch him run by, and I'm like, that's Lincoln. Like, what is Lincoln doing here? So Lincoln is a son of a family that we were in small group with years back at another church when I was a, a campus pastor and a small group pastor at another church in the area. And we had just started a campus. Um, they had launched a small group deal. We jumped in, a bunch of us young couples. And this couple was in there with us, and we just – we had so much fun. I, I, I remember the guys, we went to a men's retreat too, and we came back, and the guys decided to, outside of the group, we would meet at Starbucks every Thursday night and uh, late after our kids were in bed. And I just remember the community that happened around raising kids together, studying together, laughing together, doing life together. And it was all brought back in this moment when I saw that. And so that family had just come to our church again a couple of weeks. We stayed in contact. We know each other, you know, I haven't been hanging out as much lately in that, but it's, I saw him run across and I even told the person I was talking to, I'll be right back. I stopped the conversation because there was so much emotion involved in those, just the, the, uh, nostalgia of remembering all you have a history. Yeah. Yeah, You have Mm -hmm. a history. And it was huge. And so it called the dad, uh, yesterday and was chatting with him. It's like, dude, so cool. And, and, uh, our kids were chatting together in the lobby too. And so just, that side of, of that, that just tells you, just like you're saying, your story, Susan, Mitch, all that, it lasts. Yeah. And, and, and it has a lasting impact, I think, on, on just me and uh, those people and relationships. Mm-hmm. Sean, you were talking to, especially in today's day and age, when uh, it, it almost sounds cliche how often we talk about it, but everything just feels very divisive. Everyone has their own opinions, and it seems like, it's hard to find people that share any opinions with you. And I think we hunger for that. Now, now here's the trick. I think often we want to try to find a small group where everyone shares the same opinions as us. 
and that's just not reality. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sean, you were talking about how that might be exactly what we need right now. Yeah. Can you expand on that? I think I, I grew up, you know, everybody grows up in that picture of you're kind of in this bubble of where you grew up from, and you have, this is my perspective of the world, but as you get outside of your particular story, and you go to college, and you start meeting more people, and then you get a job, and you get married, you're exposed to different ideas and different things, and it's good because it expands who you are, expands mm-hmm. your understanding, and I think that's what happens in groups too is um and and you guys would laugh at this i remember when i was a small group pastor um there are groups that get together that are all like each other they come to susan and they're like and mitch and they're like hey we want to be a group together okay you're a group together and we're helping you get started but they're all have the same bent on everything and mm-hmm. i just don't think that's as healthy you guys would laugh because when we've led groups as small group pastors in the past you're taking everybody that's not to say left over, but it's not funny. You're like, we got to get him a group, all right? Yeah. I'll lead that group. Yeah. And that's funny because that's where that group of this Lincoln and his parents, that's where that came from. Mm. And all different walks of life and married people and single people and all this in this group. And we had a blast and mm. enjoyed. And I, You weren't I, expecting that, though. No. Yeah. And I think there's something beautiful when we walk in. And, and you have to, to walk in understanding the world is bigger than your world. Mm-hmm. And you have to come in valuing those things. Not to say everything that comes up at your small group is going to be right. You're not going to be right all the time. They're not going to be right all the time. But, man, how awesome is it to work through those things together? Because mm-hmm. like you were saying, Sunday morning is a monologue. And uh, and I say things. There's people that disagree with me, and I get emails and whatever. But you have a microphone. But I got a microphone. Right? <laughs> Everybody does it a small group. And yeah. it's it's that working through together and learning together. It's working out your fantastic. faith in, yeah. in real time. And I think that's the that's the beauty of a small group setting. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've heard the, you know, we all know the idea of applied theology, right? Mm-hmm. So what is, we're learning about what God says about the Bible and life and everything else. You come together with all those different ideas and all those different people, and you sit around the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to lead you. Man, it's it's fun to be able to work out. How does what we really believe work out in life and in these relationships? Mm-hmm. And I think that we are better for that. So, and when we're challenged, I mean, that's one of those opportunities when we actually get get to grow. Yeah, um, I remember one of the uh, one of our neighborhood groups we we did. Um, it was, I literally just started inviting my neighbors and one of the guys showed up and the, the first thing he said, he's like, Hey, so I know more about Buddha than I know about Jesus. Is that okay that I'm here? And I'm like, absolutely. That's awesome. We get to learn from you. You can learn from us. And we got to have amazing dialogues and, um, guy ended up getting baptized and stuff. So it's like, it's, you know, it opens up a different kind of conversation. Yeah. I think that's really important. Because if I'm honest, if it was like the meet, the first meeting uh, that I have with a new small group, and I if, if I t- start to sniff out that people have opinions that are very different than mine, my first thought is not, this is great. I'm going <laughs> to learn some. My first thought is like, oh, no, we have made a huge mistake. But what you're saying is, no, 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 no. This is where you, this is where you need to stay mm-hmm. and, uh, and actually learn some things and, and work, some, work through some things. That group I mentioned um, before, one of the women, the second week there, you know, she was new that second week, and I asked her a little bit about herself, um, found out she hadn't seen her husband in nine months. He was in rehab for a stroke in a different city, and she didn't have any way to get there. She didn't have um, power of attorney, so hadn't seen him in nine months, her husband. That's insane. It was insane. I 
I remember sitting there being wrecked mm-hmm. in my heart, just um, that she didn't have the resources. And I took so many of my resources for granted. Mm-hmm. And um, just you sit there also thinking, can God equip me to handle some of these things? And um, that rub of like, God can, and, mm-hmm. and he does want to equip us to be able to really be present with people where they are and, mm-hmm. and serve them in a way that might cost something of us, but actually makes us have a story to tell because, because we're growing. And, and that makes me think that there's some people that don't want to get into a group because they're like, I have nothing to offer. Right. But, and you're, exp- you're experiencing that real time like, yeah, I don't know what to do or say right now. But, but I'll th- figure it out. Yes. And I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. You know, one thing to go along with that, and we said this a, a few weeks ago in the podcast too, is that idea of you're not somebody else, else's Holy Spirit. So, Nick, you were saying so hard to, we felt like we had carrying the world, the weight of this group. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit does. Mm. And how, no, I'm not equipped to. No, you may not be, but the Holy Spirit is in you that is. And it's it's amazing what I think God does and just that dialogue of people working together and connecting together and opening up their lives and being real with each other. It's usually way better better than we ever imagined it could be. Absolutely. When we let go of us and let him start doing things. Yeah. So anything else that, that maybe I know there's thousands of benefits for for jumping in and, and, and seeking out that community, but anything we haven't said? I think definitely going in with, again, the mindset of being a contributor, um, that sense of I'm going to go in the group and give it my all, um, not that you have to be best friends with everyone, but go in like I'm going to work my muscles of one anothering in the mm-hmm. group. I had a woman come up to our new guest table a few months ago, pretty distraught and newly displaced to Colorado to care for a sick daughter. Of course, isolated, lonely, all the things. And I connected her with the group, and she went to that group and heard about someone else's story um, that they were going to have surgery and wake up alone in that in that hospital room. And so she drove that person that week mm. to the hospital and was there when when that person woke up from surgery. And she has community today because yeah. she she came not just it's not it's not all about me, but I'm gonna mm. see what I can offer. Absolutely, and that's just the way it works. Like when we contribute, uh, and when we have that attitude. Not that this is the end game, but we still, we benefit. And honestly, when you actually do those kinds of things that you were just talking about, Susan, that's when you're going to grow more in your faith than simply watching a video at a Bible study mm-hmm. or something like that. When you're actually putting that into practice and mm-hmm. doing something, yeah. man, that is where that growth takes takes place. All right, let's change gears a, a second. So, Incidentally, we all have kids at various ages, uh, but I don't know about you guys, but a, n- a new level as my kids get older, I'm starting to think about faith differently because I'm starting to think about their faith and what example I'm giving. So I think there may be people that are, are, are recognizing the same things saying, man, I want my kids to have quality relationships, not just quality relationships, relationships, but I want them to have quality relationships with people that are going to be able to pour into them spiritually and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I like for us to talk about how do we point our kids towards healthy community? I, I don't know the answer to this at all, but I'm hoping that, that you guys that maybe um, are your kids are a little further than mine age wise that, that maybe you have something to say. I mean, yeah, it's, it's can be hard. I have of course emerging adults and, um, 
they have their mother who has always had groups in her house and mm-hmm. um, they grew up in a small um, homeschooling co-op, very strong Christian families. So they had all of that. And then they went to secular universities and, um, and then a pandemic hit. My son moved to Seattle last fall and um, didn't actually get to meet any of his professors, any of his classmates, mm. anybody. All the churches were shut down in Seattle, you know, for the entire fall of last year. And um, one thing that surprised me and was painful was to see um, that as he got out of the habit more by choice or not by choice, but by circumstance, as he got out of the habit of meeting together, as they taught call us to do. Um, don't do that. Uh, don't get out of the habit of meeting together. He, uh, yeah, he didn't see the need for it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a pretty human reaction sure. to forget all the benefits of, of meeting together. Yep. At Christmas time, my, my mom, you know, Christmas, when you have older kids, it's not about getting up at 4am and having a package frenzy. Um, I don't know that yet. Yeah, it it changes. It really does. They actually want to sleep in and um, maybe eat first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My mom, though, um, she gathered us all around before we opened presents and said, let's just go around and share each other's burdens, what we've been, what's been hard this year and, and pray for each other. And it was the most beautiful moment. And I think my kids were like, oh, I forgot. I forgot mm-hmm. what it's like to bear each other's burdens in prayer and and made more of an effort after that to, to try and get involved in churches where they were. So one thing that's interesting, you said they have grown up in a home that you guys have hosted lots of small groups. And you were saying some, something earlier before we started recording that that's kind of the home that you grew up in. Yes. So there's definitely have to be, has to be some connection there, the modeling. And uh, do our kids see us seeking out community? Sean, you you have a kid that's that's going to college in less than a year. Yeah, what's on your mind? It's interesting though. I was thinking the same thing you said. You got to model it, and uh, and I think they catch on to what we model. But I, yeah, watching watching my girls, um, you know, they uh, have gone to gone to the high school. Um, so my daughter went to Erie High School freshman year and sophomore year, but then my other daughter who was homeschooled then now, instead of going to the high school, she actually goes to community college. So there's not this place where they're with high school students all the time. Now for Maddie, she's involved in the Frederick youth group and that. And so she has that community and connection, but it's like, I think for them, they said sometimes it's hard to find community without sacrificing values. Okay. Explain that a little bit more. I think kids can find community. There are kids everywhere. But a lot of times you want to be accepted so much that you sacrifice values because to be a part of this community, I might, I found this community, but they don't have quite the same values, so I have to act like them to be accepted by them mm-hmm. instead of holding the line on values. Mm-hmm. And none of our kids will make it through unscathed without messing up on some values sure. sometimes. Sure. I mean, we know that. Every one of us have, have done that. But how do you model it? And then how is we as, do we as parents not just model, make available environments, like put them in places, encourage, uh, you know, because sometimes for us as parents, it's hard because our kids don't want to get up. They don't want to get up and come on Sunday morning. Are they mm-hmm. going to find community necessarily on Sunday morning? I think our youth pastor is doing some great stuff that can help. But most high school kids come in. It's not the most natural thing on Sunday morning. Yeah. 
But are we teaching them to value a place where real community could happen? Because a lot, even if for our kids, we've said Sunday morning is a value. You can't just go on Wednesday night. You can go on Wednesday night. We won't push you to go Wednesday night. Yeah. But you got to go on Sunday morning too, because I want you to have the value of when you get done with youth ministry stuff and you go to college. It's not just going to be go to FCA. That's great. But you got to find a community of people mm. in the church to get involved with, because what happens after you graduate? Like, I think we have to model it. But we also, I don't know, what's the right word? I don't want to say demand, but we've got to encourage our kids to be involved in church and in community. And then also there's different places in our community where Christian community for kids are ha- is happening. Well, I would say that maybe I, I can relate. Basically, bringing my kids back to church on a Wednesday night is inconvenient for me and my wife. In mm-hmm. fact, today I've got one kid that wants to come early for an early program that they're doing. And another one that doesn't, and uh, just we wouldn't do this every week, but to, to today we're gonna bring one kid at a certain time, and go back home, pick up the other kid, and take, and that is incredibly inconvenient. And then we have to kill an hour and a half and pick them back back up again. But what you're saying is we have to kind of fight and create those opportunities and and uh, encourage them, and then do some of the hard work to make sure that they're there, rubbing shoulders with with other kids that are seeking that community or maybe they wouldn't put it in those words, but they want to be around kids that, that are good for them and and good influence. It's truly making it a priority in your family life and, and the modeling part, but it also takes a lot of intentionality. Um, Like, I mean, this is, you're doing something very intentional. You made it a priority. Now you're being intentional with like, okay, (laughs) this is super inconvenient, but we're going to do this. I may not have had a good attitude about it when we talked about it. (laughs) But we, but I am going to do it. But, it. but as we were talking about, even before we hit record on this, we are talking about investment. It is worth the investment. Yeah. Like we think about, oh, that's going to take a lot of time. I'm spending my time running kids back and forth and doing this and that. No, you're investing your time. Because what is investment about? It's not just about today. It's about tomorrow. It's about the return that comes down the road. Now, there are parents, I mean, we got to say that, there are parents who have made the investment, have done an incredible job, and their kids have said, no. I'm going a different way. Yeah. And that's hard. That's a reality. But Scripture does say, man, you train up a child in the way they will go. It doesn't say they're always going to stick with it. Yeah. It says in the end, they'll return to it. And that's even not always the case. But, man, the investment now is is worth it. So I, I think you model it, but I think you invest in making hard. And I would encourage and challenge parents that it is way better to have your kid be ticked off at you because you got them up on Sunday morning and you got them here, or you made the investment and pushed them to invest, not just in sports, not just in school activities, but to get out there and invest in faith community somewhere. Um, it's worth it. Yeah. And, and they probably get surprised when they actually get there, how much they enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, and for what sure. They found for it. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about the pursuit journal that we mentioned last week and uh, ways for people to to get into a group. Just get practical here. Yeah. So these two, Susan and Mitch, have, are two of the, the biggest reasons we have the pursuit journal right now. Let me rephrase that. They are the reason. <laughs> we have <the> pursuit journal. <laughs> That's true. So we are now going to make them available to purchase online. Is that right? Yeah, they'll be available to purchase online as well as you can come in and pick one up. Gotcha. They still, we're, we are going to be start charging for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, about $300 a piece? At least, yeah. We, we'll <laughs> judge that. <laughs> week person week. to person. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right, man. That's not oh, right. Oh, yeah. 
those are those have been excellent. In fact, there's at least one small group, if not more, that are actually forming around the content of the Pursuit Journal. Is that right? I actually think I have at least six or seven that I know. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad I, you're like, actually, no. Actually, no. <laughs> Zero <laughs> groups. What's really cool is we keep hearing about families that are saying, hey, we're going to do this together and we're going to get together once a week and talk about what we're learning That's as awesome. we read through God's Word. So good. Yep. Yeah. Where do people need to go to get more information about groups, period? Yeah, so you can go to rocky.church slash groups, and on there, there's we uh, we have a little uh, blurb about why you should join a group, okay. and then um, you can see our pathway on there, and it all starts with step one, which is rooted. And uh, I think we mentioned it earlier, but it's a 10-week study and man give it a shot for 10 weeks and see what god can do and who you can meet in that 10 weeks and then if they're finished with rooted there's other steps after yep. that then we have steps two three and four and we've actually designed this around our mission statement here at rocky of to know jesus love like him and we've added to live on mission and so each one of those next steps in the pathway focuses on one of those areas to know jesus love like him Live on mission. Are you allowed to do that? Can you just add to <laughs> our mission statement? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't <laughs> we know. Didn't, but we, uh, no. we did. We did. And because uh, I also I think there's something with the three. There, it, there's oh, three components. The three. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You really should have talked to Sean about. I this probably first. should have. <laughs> Sean's like, I need to talk to you after this podcast. Hey, yeah. it, hey, if it's wrong to live on mission, uh, yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have. I'd have a problem proving that one, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Man, I would say, though, with, with all, if you look at all that, I think it, you have a hard time uh, being at this place saying, I'm having a hard time growing. How do, how do I grow? Mm-hmm. There is a pathway laid out for you yeah. that is simple and easy and inspiring, and it's great. Yeah. So. And people are surprised when they dig in. They go, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. These books, the book, these book studies are interesting. And uh, the way we assemble the, you guys assemble the groups together, it, it, there's such a high chance of it being a great experience. I was tasked with um, getting the opportunity to write the um, blurbs at the front of each weekly or daily pursuit thing in the pursuit journal. I don't think I explained that very well, but. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking. Okay, I'm glad you're tracking. Um, anyway, all that to say is because I have gone through the pathway, it helped me so much with being able to write those mm. um, those little introductions to each week's reading. And I was really surprised by that. It was like the lens of the pathway helps me read scripture in a way that I can apply. You're like, oh my goodness, it worked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. You are truly small group experts. That's what we hear. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Do a lot you of people tell awesome. you that? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no I but I'm feeling Mitchie's pretty good about myself right go now. Go groups before. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us, guys. Thank you for having us. Mitch, you're supposed to say something nice, also. Um, you are the best worship pastor. Amen and amen. Oh my! All right, sounds good. Come on, keep going around the circle, Mitch. Come on. And Sean, you <laughs> okay, are. We're done. We're done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Nick. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us, 
that helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.